Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. As of last year, I stepped out of the thing, the only thing I've done as an adult, which is pastor. Um, I, sure, I did, you know, I did my stint as in Burger King or as what you would know as Hungry Jack's. Um, I, I worked, I was a glass blower for a while, if you, anybody knows what that is. I sort of have an eclectic work. I was, did cabinetry for a while. I made radial tires for a while. So I, I did a few things, but that was all just to pay for school and stuff. Once I finished school, I went into full-time ministry. And for the last 15 years, I've been a full-time pastor. Two years ago, God began to challenge me, and he said, I want you to make space for other pastors in your life. That means you leaving the ministry. And I'm like, okay, I've already moved country for you. You know, I've done some big things for you. I'm quite comfortable. The church was flying. Like Pastor Ben said, I, we had another campus that we had taken on, and it was going great, and we had just installed a great new couple there. Everything was going swimmingly, and God just says, I want you to move. I want you to step out in faith to do something that there's no job description for. I can't call somebody up to, and say, hey, listen, this is what God's calling me to do. Can I work for you? Because there's no jobs, there's no nothing for this. It's a ministry that my, a friend and I have started, and it's really just coming alongside pastors, because if the kingdom is winning, then I'm winning. Yes? If, if we are doing things that benefit a senior pastor and their church is winning, then we're winning. Yes? And how many of you know that the pastor doesn't have a lot of numbers to call for help? Yes? Yeah, they have a lot of numbers to call, but not for help. And so we're trying to create this space, this safe space where a pastor can call. It's totally third party, so they don't have to feel like it's going to get back to somebody else. But that they can just call and say, I need help. I need help. Or, or I have this dream, and I don't know exactly how to work that out. And so we'll just come alongside them and see the dream come to reality. So that's sort of what we do. And uh, please pray for myself and my wife. I, I am married. Uh, that's, I don't wear the ring just to make people think that I'm married. I am married. Um, I have two beautiful little girls named uh, Olivia and Abigail, and they're all Ziaz. They don't sound anything like me. I don't know how that happens. They, I, they hear me talk all the time, and they're still all Ziaz. So if you have your Bibles and you've turned to Mark chapter 4, I think uh, the Holy Spirit has already begun to speak this morning, um, even through what he was saying to Pastor Ben just a little bit earlier, praying for other people. I'm going to preach from a story that you, most of you would know. It's when Jesus calms the storm. Yeah, everybody familiar with this passage? Yeah, maybe if you're a first timer, you like never heard it. It's a very interesting story, and we often would say that, yeah, I know that story. But I want to take a little bit of a fresh look at it because a lot of times when I'm going through something hard, I think God doesn't care. When, when you are going through something difficult and your emotions and all that sort of stuff are being a little bit turbulent, one of the threats or temptations that come into my head is that God doesn't care. Yeah. All right? Because he's not answering my question right now. 
It doesn't matter how much you have seen God move. It doesn't matter how many stories you've read. When you get into a really tough place in your life, the threat is that we get to the point where we say, obviously, God, you don't care about me right now, or you wouldn't make me feel this. And I want to speak to that. Because you're not the first and you won't be the last. This is not a message about condemnation like you should have never thought that in the first place, sinner. Unbelievable. I saw some of you nodding your head, yes, and unbelievable. In Matthew 6, don't turn to Matthew 6. Matthew 6, 26, Jesus says this. Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you far more valuable than they are? I want to start off by saying that because in the midst of a storm, we, that goes out the window. Peace, the kind of peace that Jesus promised comes out of verses like that. Peace will never come in your life out of circumstances. It comes from truth. All right? When you see people out there and they finally got that new car they were looking for, yes, and they're happy and it has that new car smell, all that sort of stuff, and they would say, oh, I have peace. I'm at peace now. Yeah? You tell me how long that peace lasts. Yes? All right? We just, we just got, we're very, very blessed. We got a brand new Polo. Yes? Volkswagen Polo. We're driving, first week we have it, we're driving to Wilson's Prom. Right? My wife's never been. I'm like, oh, it's super awesome, all that sort of stuff. We drive past the truck. A stone comes flying at the windscreen, and it's large enough. My daughters are asleep in the back. It wakes them up. It was so big, it broke the windscreen in two spots. So it's not one of those, oh, we just drive by, and we put that gluey stuff in the side, and it's all fixed up. First week, you're like, this is a brand-new car. The peace has left the building. (laughs) Peace does not come from circumstances. That is one of the greatest lies that the world will tell you. If you get everything in the right place, you'll have peace. Well, Jesus said, I I will bring peace to you, but not like the world brings to you. Peace as a Christian comes because my life is built on truth. And no matter what my circumstances are, truth does not change. And that's where peace begins. And so we come into this story in Mark chapter 4. The disciples and Jesus are out on the water. Now, let me begin at the beginning of this particular story. Because we don't read this bit. As evening came, Jesus says... To the disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although they followed in other boats. Now, let's stop. Now, I know we haven't got to the exciting part of the story yet, but try and hold back and don't read the rest. (laughs) Whose idea was it to get in the boat? Sorry, I know you don't want to say it, but whose idea was it to get into the boat? Jesus. 
Now, doesn't that change the story? As soon as you recognize that truth, this changes the story. Because it's not like they were happened to be accidentally out in a boat somewhere on a sea, and then a great storm rose. It says that Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross over and go to the other side of the lake. It was Christ's idea to get in to the boat, which means... Which means... He knew A, there was going to be a storm, and B, they were always going to reach the other side. Yeah, it's so important for us to get this because if I don't get this, then I will actually believe that God doesn't care about me. If I don't understand that Jesus says, and let me tell you something, Jesus always honors his word. He said to the disciples, let's go to the other side of the lake. Do you think that God was going to change all of that and totally derail the word of Jesus Christ with a storm? Do you actually believe that? That if Jesus said they were going to get to the other side of the lake, don't you think they were going to get to the other side of the lake? It's a matter of truth and faith. And so Jesus is the one that gets them in the boat in the first place. Now, here's what you need to do to apply this to your own life. I don't know what circumstances you're in, but here's what I do know. If Jesus is in control, then this storm you're in is not a surprise to him. Now, there's this other thing rising up in some of you going, I don't like Jesus. I had a plan that I thought was much safer. (laughs) I had a plan. I have a plan for my life, which is, I think, is better. And it doesn't involve so much pain. And I don't ever have to be afraid. And I don't ever have to, like, grab on white knuckles to the side of anything because I've got this easy plan. Now, I don't know what Bible you're reading, Well, I have yet to find a character in the Bible who had an easy story. It just doesn't happen. There's no, there is no proof that that kind of thinking is biblical. It's just not there. Every single story in the Bible involves tough circumstances with an almighty God. Every single one of them. There isn't a person in this room that's going through something different than something we've read about in the Bible. And what we see, what we have proof of in the Bible is that God always honors his word. And that's why even at the beginning when you're in Sunday school or what used to be called Sunday school, the B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. Does anybody know this song? I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-I-B-I-B-L-E, B-I-B-L-E. I I can't trust my emotions. I cannot trust. I have no control over my circumstances. One thing that I can know for sure, though, is that God has always honored his word. 
always. And if he said so, then it is so. If Jesus says we're going to get to the other side, in the mind and in the hearts of the disciples, it shouldn't have mattered what happened in between. But we always get lost in between. In between the word and the fulfillment of the word. When storms come, that's what threatens the dream. Right? But I can promise you this, you're not there by accident. Jesus, we all love the Good Shepherd, yes? It's a powerful passage of scripture, yes? Who leads us through into the valley? It doesn't say sometimes if you stray away from the Good Shepherd, you end up in a valley. But if we believe that as long as I have Jesus, everything's going to be rosy, then you've misread the scriptures. It says that we will go through valleys, but we were not meant to live in valleys. We were not built to pitch tents in the valley, which is a whole nother message. But he is faithful to take us through the valley of the shadow of death. And I will fear no evil. And here you have the disciples in a boat, and they are terrified. I don't know if you, have you ever been in a boat in a storm? Yeah? How many of you thought that that was just the coolest thing you've ever done? No? Yeah? Some crazy psycho person back there that thought that that was awesome. But for everyone else, that's like Lieutenant Dan in Forrest Gump, right? <clears throat> for everyone else, you are you need new underpants. Yes, it's that kind of a moment. Now, this, this could be anything in life. This could be, I, I got a message yesterday. A couple that I married last year had a baby 25 days ago who's on life support, fighting for his life because after heart surgery, he got a blood infection. He's 25 days old. Now I have to talk to these people. This is a storm. They have no control. I have no control. And it's in moments like this in life that if I don't come back to what I know the Bible says to be true, you jump out of the boat. You jump out. This is one of the great temptations of the storm. It's not that the storm kills you. It's that I jump out of the boat because I give up on Jesus. And I say, maybe if I swim, I'll make it. Because this isn't working for me. One of the great derailer of dreams is not storms. It's me jumping out of the boat in the middle of a storm. It's me. I know Jesus is there. I'm not happy with how he is treating this. And so I'm going to go on my own. Then the storm will overwhelm you. And you will be washed away. But it wasn't his fault. It wasn't his fault. Because he led you into it in the first place. He wants to teach us something. What Jesus wants to teach us all is that no matter what storm will come, 
You can't derail his word. But he can only teach you that in one place. Yes? You can read all the great stories you want. You can read this entire book. But I promise you, he will take you through your own storm because he wants to settle that in here. He wants to give you a peace that passes all understanding. And the only way he can do that is to take you through the storm. And so he leads us into storms, and we get so uncomfortable with that truth. But that's the reality, and it's right there in the scriptures. You can't deny it. With all of the great and amazing things that Jesus had in store to lead the disciples into and to show to them. And they would see, just after they get off the boat, he casts out demons into the pigs, and he does all, heals people and all that sort of stuff. You can't have that without that. You have to have it settled in your heart that if Jesus says so, then it doesn't matter what's going on in my life. I trust him. I trust him. I trust him. I trust him. And this is what Jesus Christ was trying to settle in the hearts of disciples. Let's continue reading. But soon, a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. All right? This is not some, you know, it just got a bit choppy. Right? The boat's filling with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat. All right? This wasn't like Titanic. Yes? He wasn't in a cabin underneath somewhere in a soft bed. This wasn't even like a yacht, all right? It wasn't multi-level. This is just like a fishing boat. And he's at the back of the boat, all right? There's water coming into the boat, and Jesus is sleeping. That's what it says. At the back of the boat with his head on a cushion, as you do. All right? He is sleeping. We don't get that, but that's peace that passes all understanding, all right? If you ever wanted a, a picture of that... Imagine you're getting wet because there's water splashing on your face and you're sleeping. Now, some of you have that gift, I think, (laughs) being able to sleep through stuff. And so you can imagine, in the midst of all this chaos, the, the, the disciples are terrified. And then they look at Jesus. Now, do you see the contrast? Can you imagine the contrast? It's like you're, ah... Ah! You know, it's like with your kids. They'll just keep yelling louder and louder and louder until they get your attention, right? And I'm sure they were screaming. The water is not getting his attention. The, oh, that's not getting his attention. Maybe if we're yelling loud enough, that's going to get his attention. Nothing. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Probably wouldn't say that to himself. That's kind of a bit weird. <laughs> father. He'd say father. Father. And so it says, okay, all this stuff is not waking Jesus up. We're going to take it upon ourselves to wake Jesus up. Now, here's a very interesting theological point. Do you think it's your job to wake up Jesus? 
Yeah, we laugh. How many times have you cried out to God under the assumption that he's sleeping? It's, there's nothing going on in your life that he's unaware of. Jesus wasn't sleeping to make them squirm. Sometimes we misinterpret God's inactivity for punishment. God's always on time. The Bible is very clear about that. He's always on time. Jesus isn't sleeping or pretending to sleep. I'm going to just see how they handle this. <laughs> Blow harder, God. Blow harder. <laughs> Don't you think that's cruel? But all, as Christians, I know we love Jesus, all that sort of stuff. We give all that. Sometimes as Christians, when God's not doing what we want him to, we falsely assume that he's sleeping or that he's not paying attention. And maybe if I cry out louder, he'll listen to me. God does not sleep. He does not slumber. He does not get tired. He is not human like you and me. God's not in his big, awesome, God-sized bed up in heaven having 40 winks. But when he gets up, he'll deal with this. That's just our emotion getting the better of us in the middle of a storm. It happens. There isn't a person in this room that can honestly say, oh, not me. That never happened to me. When the storms came in my life, I was just calm. I was really sleeping right beside him. That, that's me. That's faithful me. Just trusting, believing. Amen. Amen. Blow, blow harder, God. Blow harder. We're, it is a natural response to fear. In that moment, and I don't know, there might be people here this morning, and you're in the middle of it. In that moment, our head and our hearts need to go back to the Bible fast. Because then you will pray accordingly. Not my will, but yours be done. See, that's trust. That's trust. And this is why we have such a great picture when we read through the life of Jesus Christ because he's in the garden of Gethsemane about to endure a storm like I wouldn't I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy he is about to endure beatings he's about to endure his beard getting pulled out he's about the king of glory is about to let humanity mock him what does the bible say God will not be mocked And yet Jesus Christ, so that he could understand us through all of our adversity, submits himself to the mockery of people that he could in a second squish and destroy. About to go through a storm of pain and heartache. And yet he has the faith 
to say, not my will, Lord, but yours be done. And really our prayer at the end of all of this will be this morning for you to look at your circumstances and say, not my will, Lord, but yours be done. Now that's a huge faith statement. And I'm not standing up here this morning because, oh, I've had it easy. But I'm praying for you people that have it hard this morning. We've had to leave all of our families behind in Canada. When we came to this country, we committed financial suicide. I didn't even tell my parents what we were going to be making. Because I took up a job as a part-time pastor and my wife Donna didn't have work. I remember us sitting at a cafe and for sure everybody around us thought I was breaking up with her. Right? She's, t- she's crying and I'm, like, and I'm trying to console her and they're like, what, what a jerk. Look at this guy. He's breaking up with this nice looking girl. We'd been here for two weeks in this country. Donna still didn't have work. And we were just having this moment. It was just like, oh, the waves and all that sort of stuff. And Donna's like, I just need him to answer. I just need a job. There's just these few things. Can I tell you what happened next is the next day Donna got a job. It doesn't stop there, though. The next day, someone offered us a fully furnished house to live in for two years for free. Yeah. Don't you want to get to the other side? Those stories come on the other side. Now, we don't like the storm. I know that. I don't like the storm. I'm not one of those crazy people that likes the storm. I'm just like you. I've had my moments where I've wanted to shake Jesus. Here's the good part of the story. Jesus wakes up, all right? Like I said, he wasn't pretending to sleep. He's like, oh, oh. And they say, Jesus, don't you care? Jesus did not stand up and rebuke them. and say, you weak-hearted little reckon, reckon, I was sleeping, I need my rest, I don't get a lot of rest, all that sort of stuff. You guys should have more faith. Now I want you to ride out this storm, I want you to sit down and just suck it up. It says that without a word, Jesus stands up and speaks to the wind. I've tried speaking to the wind before. Nothing happens. <laughs> Jesus speaks to the wind, the one to whom all nature must obey. And then to the waves. And in an instant, it was like glass. Then he turns around to his disciples. And he says to them, guys, where's your faith? He doesn't say that to make them feel bad. He's trying to teach them something. He's trying to teach them this. If I'm in the boat, you have nothing to be afraid of. 
because I can sleep the whole way and we'll still get to the other side. Or I could speak to the wind and to the waves and it has to obey me. That's who I am. And when you know that that person is on the journey with you, what do you have to fear? You don't have to fear that person at work. You don't have to fear a sickness. You don't have to fear anything. You don't have to fear that relationship. You don't have to fear money. You don't have to fear the person sending you bills. If Jesus Christ is in the boat with you, you have nothing to fear. Because he will always be true to his word. One way or the other, you will get through. You might have to ride out this storm the whole way, but I can promise you, you will get to the other side if Jesus Christ is in the boat with you. I have been witness to times when Jesus spoke a word into a situation and it stopped. Just like that. Last night, I was lying in bed and the Holy Spirit was just challenging me to pray for this little boy. One in the hospital. And I just, you know, all those thoughts go through. I'm sure people are praying, God, I'm going to sleep. The Holy Spirit was just challenging me. Just pray for him. This morning, I prayed for him, just so you know. I didn't go to sleep. I prayed for him. And I just said, God, right now, I pray that by the mighty name of Jesus Christ, the circumstances in that room would begin to change. That there would be a, just, just a change. That things, there would something start to improve. I woke up this morning and my wife gets on Facebook. And there's this picture of the baby still in the room, still with all the things attached. It says, seven hours ago, the same time I prayed, things began to change with our baby. He's on a respirator. He said they began to turn the respirator down and he's breathing on his own. There, there are moments. Yeah, praise the Lord. Amen. That's the kind of God we serve. There will be moments where just based on our word and on his authority, things will change just like that. There will be other moments where Jesus will just be in the boat with us and we will have to ride through this storm. But one thing you can guarantee is that you will get through to the other side if you stay in the boat. But I can also guarantee you this, the storm will kill you if you jump out. And I know enough people who gave up on Jesus in that moment where he was trying to show himself to them and they jumped out. Here's the good news for you if you're here this morning and that's you. All you gotta do is get back in the boat. He's the restorer of dreams. Yes? He's got stories for you on the other side that will blow your mind. But you gotta get back in the boat you will never swim to those dreams. That's not how this works because if that's how it works, then I get the glory and say, I was in there with Jesus, but then I got out and did things my own way 
praise me. That's not how it works. And so can I challenge you this morning? Can we all stand together, please? We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.